this week's Innovate update. So glad you could be with us this week. We had such a crazy good time in Shreveport, Louisiana this last weekend. We were at Life Tabernacle Church, the very church that first place to ever heard Ken Pagan in 1970. Had such a good time. The crowds were amazing. So people are so hungry for information on the coming of the Lord. So we're coming to you every week to look at the different things that point to the coming of the Lord and specifically the, the signs of the second coming and literally what the nations are gathered together for the Ezekiel 38 war. Because the rapture is silence, but the second coming has tons of signs. But if we can see what happens right after the rapture, you, you kind of have an idea of how close we are for the rapture of the church. So uh, let's pick up with what's happened uh, this last week in Israel. So what we do is we look at what's happening around Israel that points to the tribulation period, points to the Ezekiel 38 war, and points to the coming of the Lord because it is so blatant. Isn't it interesting that in the scriptures you have more verses written about what it would look like right before the coming of the Lord. Why would the Lord do that? So we'd have a heads up. We could tell how close we are. So we'd have an acceleration mentality. Not an escape mentality, but an acceleration mentality. So we pick up with what's happened around Israel. Remember Jesus? He rebuked them. I said, you can tell what the weather's going to be. We don't know your hour of visitation. So he wanted them to know. Even had a tribe in the Old Covenant called the tribe of Issachar. They had an understanding of the times to know what the children of Israel ought to do. Indicating if you don't know what time it is, you won't know what you're supposed to do. So let's pick up with what's happened all around Israel. Man, four or five things that are really, really huge that are the big ones. Number one, Iran. Firing rockets into Baghdad. Iraq, right by the U.S. Embassy. They tied it to that. Remember last week, you had drones from Iran uh, bombing pump stations in Saudi Arabia. You had the Houthi rebels uh, firing missiles as well. So uh, there's all this pressure to respond. It's amazing how calm, and it looks like there's not going to be any kind of response. But along with that, in the middle of that, you have Iran saying that they're ready to annihilate Israel and to annihilate America. So the verbiage coming to from the Revolutionary Guard is, yeah, look what we're doing. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to block the Strait of Hormuz. And in fact, in our face and in the rest of the world's face, they said we're going to start enriching even more uranium so we can have more nuclear weapons. So they're coming at it from such a radical standpoint because they're mad about the sanctions. This is the first time they really ever had pressure on them because we held up our end on the sanctions. So the pressure's coming on them. And even this is kind of interesting. Look what the pressure did to them. Hezbollah came out this last week and said, you know what? Our funding has gone down because Iran doesn't have the money to fund them. That's the whole purpose of the sanctions is to cut down money from all those filter set ways. In the middle of all that, you had more rockets had to be fired at Damascus this last week. This is the first time in about a month. Israel had to fire uh, missiles from Syria, I mean from Israel into Syria right by Damascus to take out more weapons depots. So you have things that are pointing to the coming of the Lord right in front of our eyes. Pointing to the Ezekiel 38 war right in front of our eyes. Now something that happened this last week, there was a lot of talk over the Temple Mount, pressure for Israel to share the Temple Mount that's never going to happen because that's where Jesus is going to reign for eternity but the thing that really brought my interest this last week, probably more than anything was <coughs> excuse me, the plan the plan from the U.S. about the Palestinian statehood. It looks like the plan's coming back to economical things, which is amazing. I've been waiting for this to happen. It's all about economics. I knew the Antichrist would come on the scene and have a financial solution for, for the Palestinians and for the Jews. He came out publicly that the, the, the solution to all this is not necessarily land for peace, but money for peace. And that's what's going to fund the whole purpose going into the tribulation period. It's the first time those that verbiage has ever come out. 
So seeing that come out like that really brought me joy. Like, wow, we are really getting close to the coming of the Lord. Many more things keep happening. We have our aircraft carriers there in the Strait of Hormuz. We have another carrier group in the Mediterranean. So we're set up for what's going to happen right after we leave. So you're watching the setup for what happens after the church leaves. So we're very, very privileged to see these things happening. You've got many more things about anti-Semitism coming out, blatant anti-Semitism coming out, even in our Congress, even in the U.S., even in Europe. I like how the Pope's even come out talking about trying to blend Islam with Christianity. So all these little things that are quiet, but they point to the manifestation of the Antichrist right after the church leaves. I hear people say, how can you tell uh, what the Antichrist will do after the church leaves? Paul said that he can't even come into the picture until the church departs. You have so much authority that you can't have the Christ and the Antichrist here at the same time. So you're watching the earth be set up for all these players to come on the scene because Jesus is just getting ready to come back. So with that, we go look at the signs. How blatant are they? They're precise, they're exact, they're inarguable. you got Israel made a nation, Jerusalem won back, Hebrew language restored, Ethiopian Jews brought back, you got the fertility of the land of Israel, you got the revival of the Roman Empire, you've got the Temple Mount Institute, you got fish showing up in the Dead Sea, you have crazy as it may sound, you have 170 different species of predatory birds show up in the land of Israel. That's a huge deal. So you've got nations in place, Temple Mount Institute in place, you've got birds in place. All these things happening because Jesus is about to come back. And there are many more. You've got men who be lovers themselves who have selfie sticks. But you go from that and go into further, you go to signals. You've got blood red moons a few years ago on Passover and Tabernacles. That's radical. When's the last time you had four in a row on Passover and Tabernacles? 1967 when Jerusalem was won back. 1948 when Israel's made a nation. 1492 at the Edict of Expulsion when the Jews were kicked out of Spain. So you have significant things happening on those dates. Radical. After that, you've got uh, the Bethlehem Star that came out this last year. That's pretty wild. Jupiter, Regulus, Venus. At the birth of Jesus, those three planets came together. The constellation was Virgo. This last year, they came together again. First time in 2,000 years. They came together and the constellation was Leo. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Many, many more signs that I don't have time to get into every week. I haven't even talked to the ones about the September 23rd, Revelation 12 sign. But you had Berkeley do a fly by the sun. Sun went down directly over the Temple Mount at sundown. So many little things pointing to the coming of the Lord. So what do we do? You help your local church, help your local pastor. This is it. It's not about escaping. It's about how we could hustle to get the message out. Jesus is coming back. We want as many people born again as we can. How amazing is it that we are living in the day where Jesus said the generation that sees two of those signs, Israel made a nation and Jerusalem will make it. say you're it. So we're privileged, we're blessed. He said lift up your heads, your redemption is drawing nigh. I had a guy say, you know, I say it every week, well if you preach on the coming of the Lord Joe, you see everybody's hopes up. Duh, that's right. It's the hope that purifies you. The purpose of all this information on the coming of the Lord is that you'll have joy and you'll have strength and you'll have Hope. So why? You're about to see him face to face. I would hope knowing you're going to see him face to face, you'd be kinder, you'd be more merciful, you'd be more like Jesus. Because you're about to see his eyes as a flame of fire, feet like unto fine brass, voice of many waters. Wow, Jesus coming soon. Have a great week. We'll pick up with what's happened around Israel. So much more keeps setting up for the coming of the Lord. Have a blessed, awesome week. We'll see you next Wednesday. Thanks for joining us. And uh, on top of that, too, um, you know, I don't know if you heard this just this week. I, I mean, these things used to scare me, but but actually they excite me now because I know that 
that, like he said, is pointing to the end of time. It's pointing to the to Jesus coming back. But like uh, they intercepted, uh, they intercepted some more Russian planes right off of uh, Alaska. You know that were flying into our airspace and and things like that. You know, like I said, used to scare me, but now I just know that. Listen. Uh, you know, we know that 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 the rapture is going to happen, and and all these all these things, the the worst things that are are going to happen are going to happen after the rapture. So so you know, this just points us points us to the fact that hey, it, like he said, like like uh, uh, Joseph Moore says, you know, time's short, so that means we got to be we got to be more about the Father's business now than ever. Amen. So uh, so that's good. Amen. All right. Uh, let's turn to Revelation chapter 13 is where we are tonight. We have, we've looked at the, uh, we've, we've seen the rapture. We've seen, um, you know, that we're going to be up in heaven with the, the uh, Bema seat, the reward seat. We've seen the seven seals open, the seven trumpets open. Now we have uh, looked at six of the seven figures that uh, different uh, characteristics or different figures that, that show up. We've seen, uh, we've seen that. Uh, the Antichrist, we've seen a little bit about it. We're going to talk a lot about him tonight. We've seen, um, on this little thing I handed out, it has them on there. The, we've seen the woman, uh, which is Israel. And we've seen the dragon, which was Satan. The male child, which was Jesus. Um, you know, we've seen Michael the archangel, the archangel. And then the remnant, the 144,000 that are saved and that, that preach during the, the first three and a half years. And then at somewhere around the midpoint... Um, you know they, that they they flee to the mountains, and because because uh, the antichrist really turns up the heat and comes after them, and then uh, tonight we're going to see tonight we're going to look at both the antichrist and the false prophet. Then we'll get into probably next week we'll get into um, the seven bowls that the seven vials the last the last of the judgments that are poured out. So so this is tonight is uh, is another one of those really interesting subjects because. Because it talks a lot about the Antichrist and the false prophet. Now, there's a lot of, you know, um, I know growing up, I, you know, I, you didn't, I, I never did hear too much about the, uh, too much about end times preaching. Um, you know, you heard, you heard about things, you heard about the Antichrist, and of course, you know, what, what I always heard about the Antichrist was that he was going to come on the scene and, and that, boy, you know, if you took his, the mark of the beast, and that's, that's going to be brought up tonight in this scripture, if you take the mark of the beast, you know, you'll never, um, you know, you're never going to be able to, to enter into heaven. And, and they, they talk about, you know, that, that first it was barcodes that was on the food and on the clothes and everything. That was the mark of the beast. Then it got to be, um, you know, they talked about the, the microchips that they were going to put into people. That was going to be the mark of the beast. Um, you know, and, and just it just as technology progressed, the it was always the newest technology was going to be the mark of the beast. Don't get into that because that's the mark of the beast. You know, you're going to get in trouble if you get into that. And you know, uh, the reality is, to be honest with you, we don't really know what the mark of the beast is going to be. You know, I mean, it doesn't tell us other than it tells us that it's it's his it's going to be his name or his number or something to do with the antichrist. Um, you know, and the Bible says that that his that that is the his, uh, and we'll see that at the bottom of this at the end of chapter thirteen here, but but anyway, what I was going to say, this is another one of those things where if you don't know for sure, the Bible doesn't say a hundred percent what it is, then there's not a lot of use to speculate about it, and it's like you know if if you hear you know and and I remember growing up that 
I, I heard people say that they figured out who the Antichrist was. You know, it was this person and that person, or it was going to be that person. And, and then, of course, they always had to go back and change once that person died or something happened. Or, you know, they'd always say, oh, whoops, well, we missed that. Now it's going to be this person, you know. And, and uh, the problem with that is just, like, um, it's just like everything else. The Bible doesn't say 100% who he is. So, therefore, you know, there's no use to speculate on it. Now, we can, we can get a good idea of where he's going to come from. I believe, uh, I believe that it is going to happen, and even tonight, with the, even with, when we get to start looking at the false prophet, I believe you're going to see that the, that the two key players in the end times, um, that, and I believe it's going to be part of, uh, um, you know, part of the, the Antichrist and part of, of that whole movement, is, is going to be, um, and, and Joseph Morris even mentioned it tonight, but it's going to be the, the combination of Islam and, Ca- and the Roman Catholic Church. When those two institutions come together, that, in that region in the, over there, in the Middle East, that's, that's the two strongest religions that there are over there. And like he said, I, um, like, like he was saying, you know, that the Pope come out again talking about how we just need to be friends with Islam and we need to, you know, we need to join hands with Islam. And, and, you know, and he just made that statement just, I think it was like yesterday or Monday, you know, the Pope was saying things like that again. And, um, you know, and, and that to me, that is just that is just confirmation of, of man, we're getting close. You know, I mean, and when, and when you see these two things and there's there's a scripture here that we'll look at that I believe. Uh, that I believe kind of points to that, and, and we'll see that. But let's let's get into now. We've talked about the Antichrist. We've seen him in um, in a couple of different. Even even last week in in uh, Revelation 12, John had the he had the vision of the the red dragon coming up out of the sea. And you know we talked about the Antichrist and, and some in that. But here in chapter 13, it's another information ch- chapter, which means that you know it's kind of taking a break from the chronological order. But John's just given us some information about, uh, you know, about some things to kind of fill in the gap. Now, the Antichrist really, he'll come on the scene and he'll, he'll be the one to kind of work out the peace treaty and he'll be the one to kind of, um, you know, kind of work the, the dealings. But, you know, he, comes, he becomes very prominent. I believe he'll be prominent in the first half of the tribulation because he's going to be the one that, that works the, the, peace, the peace treaty and, and everybody starts looking to kind of as their, uh, I, I want to say the word Savior. I don't mean, I don't mean it in the same way as, as what Jesus is to us. But, but, you know, when the world is in chaos and you have somebody that can come and bring a little bit of order to the place, you know, man, you look to him and, and, or to that person and you're like, wow, you know, this person can make a difference. And that's, that's what he's going to do. He's, the, the Antichrist is going to be, is going to be one that, that comes in and, and kind of brings, brings peace to to a real rough situation for the first three and a half years anyway. Then at the midpoint, at the three and a half year point, which this is kind of like uh, when when he gives when John gives this description here in Revelation 13, this is kind of like the description of what's gonna what he's gonna be like in the second half of the tribulation in the, the last three and a half years. And he's gonna have uh, there's gonna be another person that comes on the scene, and we call him the false prophet. That's gonna be kind of like the Antichrist's. Uh, religious person he's going to be he's going to be in charge of uh really forcing everybody to worship the antichrist he's going to the false prophet will be the one that sets the temp or sets the uh sets the idol up in the temple and makes everybody worship him and we'll see that uh here in these scriptures tonight so revelation 13 let's let's start here and we'll uh, we'll look and at some of these scriptures 
Revelation 13, verse 1. And, and remember, this is John again. He's having this vision. And he says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and, um, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. So this is the, really the same description he gave in chapter 12, but this time it's added that there's actually, that the ten horns actually have ten crowns. Now, uh, last week I told you that I had, I, I had the, the, the seven heads, the, uh, I, didn't, I, I didn't bring my paper last week, so let me give you the, the seven heads of, the, of this beast represent seven kingdoms, okay? They're the kingdoms, five of them are going to be, um, and, and actually when we get to Revelation 17, as we get there, he tells us that five of them have been, one of them is, one of them uh, is to come. So, you know, and then, so, so five of them have been before, you know, before uh, John's time, and then one of them was right then, and then one of them, he says, was yet to come. And the, the one that has the ten horns, um, that was the one that is yet to come, and, I, and I'll explain all that. But here are the ones, uh, the five nations that were, um, that, and, and what, these, what these nations were, these seven heads, uh, and, and then we're going to get, when we get into chapter 14 or 15, I think it's 14, it talks about seven mountains. He sees seven mountains. This is, it's the same image, it's just a different, it's the same symbol, it's just a different image. And, and it's still the same, it's seven, it's seven different country or, or, uh, empires that has, that had through the, through the space of time tortured Israel or, or really been against Israel. So the first one is, uh, the Egyptians. You know, they were, they were always against, uh, Israel. The second one was Assyria. The third one was Babylon. Uh, the fourth was the Medo-Persians. And the fifth one were, was the Greek, uh, the Greece or, or the Grecians. And all five of those, those nations, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, the Medo-Persians, and then the, the Grecians or Greece, all five of those nations had there at one time, they were kind of the ruling party. They were kind of the, the, the main, the main people that were against Israel. And through the, through the space of time, as we, as we even have account in the Bible, we see through the space of time, those country or those empires, they, they rose to, to power, but then they were destroyed. They were, they were overcome by, by other ones. And then, of course, the sixth one is the one that, that is now, and that's the Roman Empire. And, of course, for us today, we would look at that, and that would be, of course, like the Roman Catholic, the, the, you know, that, that empire, if you want to call it that. And that's, the, that's kind of the, one of the powers that's going to be controlling the, the end times here as we, get into the, as we get into the end times. Then the seventh head, and, and, this, and all of this uh, in, in Revelation 17, as we get over there, we'll see this. Uh, it says that five nations were, then one is, and then one is yet to come. And the nation that is yet to come, we're going to find out, um, that we're going to find out that the that is going to be the revived Roman Empire. Like, for example, you know, now uh, through time, tradition tells us, or not tradition, but what we learn in in church, what we learn sometimes, is not necessarily a hundred percent accurate. Like people take their own interpretations and they take their own thoughts. For example, like uh, a lot of people here, and I know, and I know, we even talked a little bit about this. But a lot of people, and, and uh, well, I tell you what, let's read this. Let's read this next couple of verses, and we'll, and I'll, I'll talk about that. 
So verse one says that he saw this, he saw this beast come up out of the, the uh, sea, had seven horns or seven heads, ten horns, and upon his horns, ten crowns. So the seven heads were the seven empires. The ten horns are going to be ten leaders or ten, um, yeah, ten leaders that are going to be part of the end time, the, you know, the end time nations that are, that are going to come together. Now, even the, like the European Union, they even have like, uh, at this time, I think there's like eight or nine nations that are part of that. And they're looking, I think they're looking, they're wanting to have those ten nations to be part of that, that, that European Union to, to, to be kind of like the ruling power over that area. And, and so it very well could be the, the nations that are part of the ten, the, the European Union. And later on in Revelation, it tells us that the Antichrist overcomes three of those leaders and the other seven, they, they turn and say, instead of killing us, we'll just bow down to you and, and we'll let you rule us. So because the Antichrist is actually called a little horn that comes up, and we'll see that here in a moment. He's actually called the little horn. And, and you know, the other ones were just called ten horns, and he's called the little horn. But the Antichrist will come in, and he'll, he'll overtake three of, the, three of those leaders, and the other seven will bow down and say, we'll just give you power. And, you know, so they were ten leaders, and the crowns on their heads just shows that they have authority. That shows their leaders, their, uh, their, you know, not, not necessarily royalty, but, but it shows authority. I'll put it that way. That's the word I'm looking for. It shows authority. So then in verse number two, he goes on to say this. John saw this. He said, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him, power, gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So now this, in, here in verse 2, this is identical to the... You remember when, when John, just a couple chapters back, we talked about how John ate the book. You know, the little book that the angel had, and John ate the book. Well, here in chapter 13, this is identical language to Daniel chapter 7. When, in Daniel chapter 7, he gave the description of a beast coming out of the sea, and it had the exact, the exact same thing, the lion, the leopard, and the bear. And, and so John uses the exact language of Daniel uh, in this. And these, the, these three, these three um, kingdoms that he talks about, the lion is, is represented by Babylon, and they they were uh, the Babylonian Empire. One of their one of their symbols or one of their pictures was a lion that represented them. Uh, the bear was the Medo the Mede Persian, uh, and they were known as the. Uh, they had like and it said that uh, different in Daniel it said they had like teeth of iron, and it had like and well actually let's just turn over to Daniel. I wasn't going to do that, but let's just read. We'll just real quick. We'll just read uh, Daniel the first couple verses, and you'll see this. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 7, and we'll just pick up and uh, verse 2. And we'll just read this real quick. Daniel 7, verse 2. It says, Daniel spoke and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. And, the four, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. 
And, and like I said, if you, when you study that out, when you study that out, you'll see that that lion is represented by Babylon. He saw the Babylonian empire being raised up, and he saw the feet as, uh, or he saw him stand on like feet of a man, and, and there's all kinds of symbolism and all kinds of stuff in there. I, we, I, I, you know, I don't have, I, I, I don't really know enough about it to get into it, but just, if you study that out, you'll, you'll see that that, the bear represents, uh, Babylon. Then in verse, um, verse five, he goes on to say, and behold, another beast, a second like to a bear. And it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. And the, the bear here represented the Mede Persians. And if you study the Mede Persian, that, that empire, they overcame three great nations. And they conquered three great nations when they were in ruling power. And that's representative of the three of the three ribs that it, that that bear had in its mouth, and and they were they were probably some of the meanest people, the Mede Persians, and they destroyed and killed and tortured uh, a lot of people. And here Daniel said, you know, he says that it was said unto it, arise and devour much flesh. Then in verse six he goes on to say this: After this, I beheld and lo, another like a leopard, which uh, which had upon the the back of it four wings as of a fowl or of a bird. The uh, the beast had also four heads and dominion was given to it. So here the leopard was the the Greek the Grecian Empire, which after when when it came into power, it was actually split up into four different uh, four different areas and instead of being one major empire, it, it got split into four other empires. So here he says that this that this leopard had four heads, and that that re- represented the four different uh, the four different empires that the Grecian Empire had um, after you know after it, after it was risen to power, and then um, in verse let's see um, verse six he says uh, no that we just read verse six verse seven he says and after this I saw in the night visions and behold a fourth beast dreadful and terrible. And strong exceedingly, and it had uh, it had great iron teeth. It devoured and break into pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the other beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. And I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before before whom whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in its, uh, in its horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. And I beheld the, the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit. And he goes on to talk a lot, of more, a lot more about that. But you can see here, so Daniel, he gives a little bit more description than John did, but he uses, John uses the identical language that Daniel used. So the, so the, four, so the four beasts were, you know, that Daniel... Represented, or he said, "Here's the four things I saw," and then and then he said, you know, and he said it had it looked like a lion, it looked like a leopard, it looked like a bear, and then it had this other head that had ten horns on it, and you know, so so he saw all this, and is the identical to what um, you know to what Daniel saw. So let's go back to Revelation 13, and then let's look at verse number. Uh, let's look again, and, and let's look at verse two again. It says, "And the beast." 
that I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were the feet of a bear, and his mouth was the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So now we know this from, from what we've learned so far. The dragon, who was the dragon? Satan. So we know that this beast that is rising up out of the sea here that he sees can't be Satan because here it tells us that Satan is the one that gives him the power and the authority and, and his place. So this, this is a description here of the Antichrist because we know the Antichrist is 100% backed and, and fueled and powered by Satan himself. So, and here it says, it says that he has, that Satan is drag, that the dragon gives him his power and he gives him his seat and it gives him great authority. So, so the Antichrist is, uh, um, we'll say some, I won't necessarily say possessed, but, but the Antichrist is fully 100% Satan inspired and Satan controlled. Everything he does is controlled by Satan. Satan has full, he gives him full authority, he gives him full power, he gives him his seat. In other words, his, you know, he gives him his, his authority is what he gives him. Now, verse 3 is one of these verses that a lot of people say, and, and let's just read verse 3 and we'll, we'll talk about this. And, and you've got to notice the words here because it says, I saw one of, one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed and all the world wondered after the beast. Now, I, I've heard my whole life that uh, that the you know that is the antichrist is that shot that, that gets shot in the head and then gets resurrected. There's only a, there's only a couple problems with that. Notice that it says that that is one of his heads that is shot. In other words, he didn't say that the that the beast died. He said that one of those heads died. Now, what did we say the heads represented? It represented the empires or the, or the ruling powers, right? And it says that, that that ruling power suffered a fatal wound and then was risen again. So what, what this is here, a lot of people, like I said, I, I, I had been taught my whole life that the Antichrist would be, would be shot and then resurrected. But here's, here's one thing you have to remember. Here's the biggest thing why I don't believe that the Antichrist is the one that gets shot in the head. Because Satan does not have resurrection power. God is the only one that has resurrection power. Satan cannot raise anybody from the dead, physically. Now, he can bring spirits, you know, but here we're talking about, you know, if it was the Antichrist, remember, because the Antichrist is a man. It's not a spirit. It's not a, uh, a figment of the imagination. He is a man that is raised up into power. If, if, if the Antichrist ever got shot and killed, his spirit immediately would go to hell. And Satan would not be able to bring him back to life because he does not have resurrection power. Now, I know, like I said, that, that rocks a lot of boats because we've been taught our whole life that it's the Antichrist that dies and gets risen back from that. How many of y'all heard that before? I mean, probably everybody. We, we've all heard that. And, you know, but, so what he's saying here is this. One of these nations that, that you know, that we just read that list of, one of these nations is going to take a, a tremendous hit and it's going to look like that whole nation is, you know, totally gone. 
And, but then during this time, that nation is going to rise back up and it's going to be rebuilt and people are going to, people are going to be amazed that that, that that nation could be rebuilt in such a small time. Most people, most people, most scholars, if you study that, most scholars believe that it'll probably be one of two. It'll either be the, it'll either be the, the Babylonian Empire or it'll be the Roman Empire. One of those two. And there's different, different reasons why they believe that it'll be one of the two. Remember, Babylon is in Iraq. You know, the, the, where Babylon was is right smack dab in the middle of Iraq. And who, who is it right now that's causing all these problems? Iraq is like the instigator of everything right now. You know, I mean, and they're the ones feeding the money. They're feeding the rockets. They're feeding the, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, so it very well could be that, and because we're going to see when, when we get to chapter uh, 15, we're going to see that one of the things, one of the things that said is one of the, one of the angels that flies through the air cries out, Babylon has fallen. Babylon has fallen. You know, so we know that, that Babylon gets destroyed. And whether they're the ones that raises back up or whether it's the Roman Empire that raises back up, I, I'm not 100% certain of that. But we know that one of them is, and one of them takes a fatal blow, but then, but then they're raised back up, and the world wonders after it. The world is amazed that, um, that you know, that they could come back so quickly from, from what happened. Then in verse number 4, he goes on to say this. <clears throat> verse 4 says, and they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So in other words, remember, the beast, and, and actually he's talking about here, he uses, it says they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, which was Satan. And then it says they worshipped the beast, who is the Antichrist. It says they worshipped the Antichrist, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So we see here that he is given, the Antichrist is given power. And actually, he goes on to, let's look at the next couple of verses because this tells us why they said this. They said, who is like unto the Antichrist? Who can make war against him? Because look at verse 5 and 6. And it says this, in verse 5 says, There was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. So here, this is the second half of the tribulation period, and he is Satan gives him this power and gives him this authority, and and he he is a great orator. He knows exactly what to say. He can he can man he can just woo you with his words, and he has such great authority and such great power. And Satan empowers him for forty two months for that for the last three and a half years, and it says and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. Now, so he says that he, he says it was three things. It says that he blasphemed God's name, it blasphemed the tabernacle, and it blasphemed those that were in heaven. Those three things, it blasphemes God himself because, because we've seen this and we'll see it even more here as we get into a couple later chapters. They blaspheme God because they blame everything on God. You know, when, when God is pouring out His love, pouring out, you know, trying to give them time to repent, they're shaking their fist at God. You know, and so all these other things are still happening, and they, they still refu refuse to turn uh, their hearts to God. So He blasphemes God. He blasphemes the tabernacle, or the, uh, it doesn't say church, it says tabernacle, because the church is not here, but the tabernacle, remember, is where 
the the people that are get born again that where is where they get you know where they have their sacrifices it is where they worship God because at the rapture of the church when the when the tabernacle is rebuilt remember the old testament sacrifices are going to be brought back so they're going to be in the tabernacle um offering sacrifices the christians are the ones that get born again and of course and we're getting ready to see that that's the very place that the false prophet sets up the idol so that they can't do that so he blasphemes the tabernacle and desecrates the tabernacle then he 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 uh it says that he blasphemes those that dwell in heaven because everybody somewhere in the midpoint of the tribulation there's another rapture that that takes place in there some in in that time frame where all of the martyrs remember the martyrs that were under the under the altar where they were crying out for vengeance well they get they get their robes and they get they're covered by the blood and then they 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 become they come into the presence of God so the all of those that overcame the antichrist he's now blaspheming because they're in heaven and there's nothing he can do about it so he blasphemes God, he blasphemes the tabernacle, and he blasphemes those that are in heaven. In other words, we can say it this way. He blasphemes all those that overcame him. Even though he may have killed them, they still overcame him because they're, they're in the presence of the Father. So then verse 7, it goes on to say this. And here, here is kind of like his... Um, this is kind of like the description of what, what Satan empowered him to do. It says, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names... Now, noted, now this is very important because I'd always heard too that the Antichrist is going to be so powerful that everybody's going to have to bow down and worship him. You know? And if you didn't take the mark of the beast, you, know, you were going to die. And you, and you couldn't survive without doing that. So everybody's going to have to decide, am I just going to die or am I going to take the mark of the beast? But notice what it says here. It says, it says and it was given unto him, uh, and, and it says, and all that dwell on the earth, verse number 8, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of the life the book of life of the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. So if your name was written in the Lamb's book of life, those people aren't going to bow down and worship Him. Now, if, if those that were mad at God and those that were angry at God and hadn't turned their lives over to God, they will bow down and worship the Antichrist. But those that gave their life to Jesus, they're not going to bow down and worship the Antichrist, and it's going to infuriate Him. It's going to make Him so furious, and we're going to, we'll see that here in just a little bit. And then notice verse number 9, it says this, If any man have an ear, let him hear. So what he's saying is this, get ready. Make sure your name's in the book. Amen. Make sure you have a relationship with Jesus. And then verse 10, he goes on to say this, He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. And uh, here is the here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Man, what a verse! You know, so he so he said that those that kill with the sword, they'll have they're going to die by the sword. And he said, you know, but but if your name's in the book, you're not you, you know you're you're going to be faithful. And those those that are those that get that are born again during the tribulation period, they will not bow down and worship the antichrist, and they'll, God will protect them. Amen. So verse number so that's that's the description of the antichrist and then verse number 11 he kind of shifts focus and, and we're going to learn about the false prophet 
who was raised up to help the Antichrist. So let's look, let's look at the false prophet real quick. In verse 11 it says, And I beheld another beast come up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, but he spake as a dragon. Now, the two horns, I believe, and most scholars believe, that it says he had two horns like a lamb. So he is going to be somebody that, that people believe is, is a good person because he looks like a lamb, but when he opens his mouth, it's going to be the mouth of a dragon. And the two horns, I believe, represent Islam and Catholic the Catholic Church. And I believe that's where the deception is going to be. As they merge, as those two merge, people are going to believe that that's what they need to do for these end time things and they're going to be deceived and, and there's great deception and, and the false prophet here, uh, that's what, we, that's what he'll, we'll introduce him as. The false prophet here, is, his main thing is deception. And he'll deceive people into worshiping the Antichrist. So it says that he had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. Verse 12 says, and he exercised all the power of the first beast before him. So he was just as powerful as the Antichrist. And he says, and he will cause the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And, and so here, there again, he's talking about that, that nation or that, that kingdom that is raised up. He says that, that this false prophet is probably going to come. He, more than likely, he'll probably be a Muslim that is raised up. And he will, because, because one thing we know, he's probably not going to be a, a true Gentile because the Muslim people would never follow him. You know, just probably just like the Antichrist probably couldn't be an American because the Muslims probably, you know, they would have a hard time following behind somebody like that, where if he was one of their own, I don't know where he'll come from exactly, but I believe he'll be from the Middle East over there somewhere. And, and I believe both of these guys will be, the Antichrist and the false prophet, because they'll, both of these guys will be somebody that, that everybody over there will follow and that, they'll, that they won't have a problem with. And it says, and, and you know, and this verse here, this is another one of those verses that makes it very, um, that sometimes makes it hard because it says, that you know that, that that he'll 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 force them to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed, and so this is still this kind of feeds into that thinking that that the antichrist could have you know could have been shot in the head and killed. But when you when you study this and when you see this, you'll understand. Like I said, the biggest reason why that couldn't happen is because Satan doesn't have that resurrection power, and you know I mean so that that is the biggest reason why why that couldn't happen. Um, and then he goes on in verse 13, he says this, And he does great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. So here, this, the false prophet, he has, he has the, it's kind of like the same powers that the two witnesses had. Remember, the two witnesses could call fire down. And, you know, and, and it was a godly thing. It, their, their power came from God. But here, the false prophet, as he's deceiving people, and as he's getting people to worship the Antichrist, one of the things that he can do is call fire down from heaven. And it says, and verse 14, now here, here it talks about his deception. He says, verse 14, and he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of all these miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. 
And it says, and now this is interesting because notice this, verse 15. It says, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause them that as many would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So the false prophet deceives everybody, gets them to build this, to build this uh, image of the, of the Antichrist, puts it in the temple, desecrates the temple. But then the false prophet comes in and gives life to this image. Now, you think, how in the world could that happen? Well, think, you know, if, if people were reading this 100 years ago, probably would think, how, you know, you couldn't give life to a statue or you couldn't do that. But just think, think of how many of you guys right now carry in your pockets artificial intelligence that you can ask questions to and it'll answer you. Siri, what's this? Siri, what's that? And it'll give you the answer. And there's and there's technology. Listen, if the technology that is released is only the, is only touching the 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 surface of what the technology that they're working on. And and you we see it every day. I, I saw I saw a report today about robots making uh, robots robots uh, replacing people at Starbucks. That some Starbucks out in California or something are, have got robots now where you go and punch an order on a computer and a robot makes the coffee for you and it's done like in half the time as a human can do it. Yeah, yeah. It touches a button and, and everything's done. Yeah, and see, so, so to us in our, in our generation right now, that is nothing. I mean, we, that doesn't marvel us that, that the false prophet can come up and make this thing speak and make this thing have life, so to speak, where people think it has life. But notice, notice what it does. It says that, that he gave him power. He deceived everybody. And it says, and he gave, in verse 15, he had the power to give life under the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak. But then here's, here's an interesting thing. And it will cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So this beast, this image, whatever this is, however it looks like, whatever, as people come into the temple, as people come into the, you know, into the, to, to worship or whatever, if they don't bow down and worship the Antichrist, then this creature or this image, it has the power to kill them right there. Whether it's by, with a gun or with a laser or with, uh, you know, whatever it is, we don't know. But, but this image that, that these people built has the power to take life. In other words, it can just kill people. I mean, you know, it has that power to do that. And verse 16 goes on to say this, And he causeth all, talking about the false prophet, he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and in their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. And his number is six hundred, three score, and six. So that, so that saying, you know, six, six, six. But notice, notice what it said. Notice that it said in verses 16, 17, and 18. It doesn't tell us exactly what it is. It says that it will be a mark. Verse 16, it says that it causes everybody to receive a mark in their right hand or their foreheads. 
that verse 17, that no man can buy or sell, save that he have the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So we don't know exactly what that mark is. We don't know what, you know, whether, I mean, according to that, it could be a mark, it could be a name, or it could be a number. We don't know. But what we do know is this, and because, you know, I don't know about you guys, but, but I remember growing up when I was younger, I, you know, because, and we, we said this earlier, but everybody always talked about the newest technology, you know, was always like, oh, you better not do that because that'll be the mark of the beast. You know, and if you take the mark of the beast, boy, you know, you'll, you'll never get to heaven. And, you know, uh, but here's the good news for us. We won't be here when this happens. Because this is in the second half of the tribulation period. This is in the, the great tribulation. This is the, because the false prophet doesn't come on the scene until the midpoint of the tribulation period when, when the Antichrist rises in power and the false prophet is the one that kind of like pushes everybody to worship the Antichrist. The, anti, the, the false prophet is given the same power. Now, isn't that something that, that Satan has to have two people to get, to get people to worship him? Instead of Jesus, who was just one man, was the sacrifice and was the, was the, was the, the offering, the sacrifice for all mankind for all time. See, Satan tries to duplicate, he tries to, to imitate, and he tries to, to twist and pervert, but Satan's, Satan's uh, attempts are never as good as God's. Amen. And so Satan raises up two people. Now, these, the, both the Antichrist and the false prophet will learn when we get to chapter 19, I think, somewhere in there, that both of them are captured alive and thrown into... Or actually, they're, actually, I think one of them's killed, but the other one's thrown uh, alive into the lake of fire, and they're there a thousand years later when they are into the in the yeah in the in the lake of fire, and then they're in the bottomless pit. I'm, they're thrown in the bottomless pit for a thousand years, and then they're thrown into the lake of fire, and and it calls both the antichrist and the false prophet are both there during that time. So both of these, and that's the reason we know that 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 both of them are men, that they're not spirits or they're not. Uh, anything like that, because both of the Antichrist and the false prophet will spend eternity in hell just like everybody else that, that rejected Jesus. So, I mean, that's, you know... And, and like I said, don't let this scare you. Don't let, it, don't let it, you know, worry you or anything like that because we know we're not going to be here. Yeah, we're out of here. Amen. Uh, let me give you a couple things. I, I, I printed this out and talk, because we talked so much about the Antichrist. And uh, let me give you just some of the things that that he will that he will do. This is from uh, this is twenty facts about the the Antichrist, and this is from Dake's uh, study Bible. Uh, Dake says this gives twenty facts about the Antichrist. He will be a man. He will rise out of the sea of humanity. He will become a ruler of the territory of the seven kingdom, kingdoms, symbolized by the seven heads. He will become the ruler of the ten kingdoms that are yet to be formed inside that old Roman Empire territory. That's the uh, the one that says that in Dan in Daniel chapter seven, when we get on over to verse twenty three and twenty four, that's where it says that five were, one is, and one is yet to come. And that's the one that is yet to come is the one where the ten leaders are going to rise up. That'll be, and probably to be honest with you, those kingdoms and those empires are probably are probably functioning today. Well, I know they would be. Because they're going to be the leaders when the church is raptured. They're going to be the, the leaders in, in that area. So those, those ten horns, 
very well they could be ten leaders around the world today. Very well could be. Um, shoot. Mm-hmm. Okay, one of the one of the things <coughs> uh, when we talk about Bible interpretation, you know, we talked about this I think last week or two weeks ago. Um, you know, we have you have to go back and see um, you know certain words like like the, for example, sea here, S E A, the sea. If if a body of water is not mentioned, like if it doesn't say the Mediterranean Sea or the, um, you know, the Dead Sea or, you know, if a, if, a, a body, if a body of water isn't mentioned and a sea is mentioned, a lot of the times in the Bible that represents a mass of humanity. You know, like a sea. Like, for example, um, in heaven where it says, that, it says that before the throne there was a sea of glass and it thought, and it, but it, but then it goes, it, it, later on it talks about that, that that's, the, that's all of the saints that are before the throne. You know, so it describes them as a sea. So, so here, this is where it says that he, that he saw him coming up out of the sea. Being that a, that a body of water it mentioned, that, that's talking about coming up out of the sea of humanity. Now, when, when he talked about that, the false prophet, he said that he saw him coming up out of the earth. You know, so, so they were two different. And, and most people believe that the reason that he, that he said that was because it was from two different regions. Two, you know, in other words, they're both not going to be from the same place. You know, the, the, the Antichrist is going to be, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe Muslim and the other one may be Catholic or something. I don't know. I mean, you know, so it talks about, you know, coming out when he was raised up out of the sea, that, he, that, that, was, that was out of the sea of humanity, showing, just proving that the Antichrist is a man. Because some people, some people in church history, and even some theologians that you read after, they talk about how that the Antichrist could be uh, somebody like Judas Iscariot, you know, or somebody who betrayed Jesus and, and got raised from the dead and came back and is the Antichrist. But that can't be right because, there again, Satan doesn't have resurrection power, you know. So, so yes, in verse 2 where it says he saw him coming up out of the sea, or verse, or verse 1, I guess, where he saw, saw the beast rise up out of the sea, that was talking about a sea of humanity, you know. And, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, let's see. Um, no, I thought the Amplified said that, but it didn't. Yeah. But, but if, you, if you study that out, if you look at that, most, most scholars will say that that... Now, some people will say that, that that was the Mediterranean Sea because just in that region. But, but most of them agree that that's the sea that it's talking about is the sea of humanity. You know, so... There again, I don't know 100% on that, so I won't argue that point, but... You know that makes makes sense to me, right? Um, he'll have uh, he'll receive his power, his throne, and his great authority from Satan. Um, and here and here, Dake says this: he he will not be assassinated and resurrected from the dead, as taught by some. It is one of the heads of the beast that is wounded and is healed, not the beast itself. Therefore, uh, all the theories of the Antichrist being a resurrected man a reincarnation of some historic man or an incarnation of the devil, etc., are false. And that's, that's kind of going back to that point. Uh, he will have all the, one, all the world wondering after him. He will be an object of worship. He will be a supernaturally gifted orator. He will be given power and success for 42 months. He will defy God and claim to be God himself. 
He will make war on the Jews and the Christians, and multitudes will be killed by him. He'll be given power over all the nations inside the ten, the ten kingdoms of the old Roman Empire. He will be worshipped as God, and he will have a religious leader in the false prophet to come help him. And he'll permit an image of worship to himself, and he will cause the mark or emblem of his kingdom or his name or his number to be branded upon the right hand or forehead of all of all of his followers. So, interesting, interesting things. And kind of the same thing with the false prophet. The false prophet will have all the power, the same power that the Antichrist does, but he is going to, uh, his job will be to get people to worship the Antichrist. So, uh, he's going to be kind of like a helper to the, to the Antichrist. Any other questions? It's interesting stuff, isn't it? It's neat, neat seeing how God uh, let us in on what's going to happen here. Now, next week we're going to get into uh, chapter 14. And chapter 14 is really a uh, uh, you know pretty cool chapter too because we're going to find out that, that uh, after the 144,000, the 144,000 will preach the first half of the tribulation period, the first three and a half years. At the midpoint, they're going to stop preaching. Their job will be done. And then from the second half of the tribulation period, we're going to find out that angels actually preach the gospel. And at no other time did angels ever preach the gospel until the last half of the tribulation period. And then we're going to find great angels are going to be flying through the sky proclaiming the gospel, telling people, you better repent. You know, you better turn, turn to God or else. And uh, so we'll see that next week in, uh, in chapter 14. And, as, and then when we get into 15... Then the seven bowls are poured out, or the seven vials are poured out, and that's the last judgment right before, uh, right before the Battle of Armageddon and, and uh, the end of Satan and all of his uh, cohorts. Amen? So, all right. Well, let me pray for you guys, and we'll uh, be dismissed tonight. <coughs> Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for uh, the Word tonight. Lord, I, I'm so grateful that you gave us the Scriptures that we can learn from, that we can study. Uh, Father, I know as we dig into your word and as the Holy Spirit helps us understand these things, uh, Father, there's, there's always varying opinions on things, but Lord, I'm so glad that you're not the author of confusion and you'll help us understand these things. And the parts we can't understand, Lord, we'll just, we'll just trust you anyway. And, uh, and Father, and just, and stick with the things that we do know. And so we thank you for that. I pray blessings, Father, on each one tonight. Thank you for giving us a great rest of this week putting people across our path to witness to, to share the gospel with. Father, to reach out and, to, and to, to share the gospel with more and more people every single day. Thank you for your love and your mercy, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.